Hey everyone, we'd like to start off today's episode by telling you about our new sponsor. Sudio, S-U-D-I-O, is a Swedish company that makes high quality headphones that are also totally Instagrammable. Currently, the headphone market offers you one of two things. You can either have style or good tech. Studio provides a product that merges the modern Scandinavian design with the quality of some of the highest rated headphones on the market for a fraction of the cost. Right now, Studio is offering our listeners 15% off any purchase. All you have to do is enter promo code HAUNTED, H-A-U-N-T-E-D, at checkout. Oh, uh, and did I mention that there's free worldwide shipping? Check them out, www.sudio.com. Welcome, spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. Did you see our friend Megan has a new baby kitten? No. Oh my god, go look. You're not even prepared for how cute this fucking cat oh is. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. On Instagram or Facebook I, or what? Uh, Facebook. You guys are still Facebook friends, right? I believe so. Well, then there you go. Try there. <laughs> she probably has an Insta as well, but that's not like my medium. Oh, right, right, right. Kitten, kitten, come here. <gasps> oh. Right? Oh. You weren't ready. I tried to prepare you, but there's no way you could ever possibly be oh ready. Oh, my God. And here's the... Okay, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. She was the last kitten left behind in a box. So, Aww. like, somebody looked at, like, six <laughs> other kittens and picked her last. Oh, my God. Were they, like, I don't know, the Nicole Kidman of kittens? Like, all of those kittens were the most beautiful, and she was, she, like... like- was she, like, outright rejected, though? Or was it just that, like, they're all cute and someone has to be the last one? I think it was like that, yes. Yeah. But I think that if it, if I were the person to be, like, a, the second to last person to take a kitten, like, mm-hmm. I want... You'd just take both of them? <laughs> exactly. How do you choose? How do you leave a kitten alone in a box? Oh, my God. Oh. I'm, I'm completely incapable of that. So... Oh. If I'd gone up to that box and I had to choose between two kittens, guess what? We have two cats now. Yeah. Oh, and they'll be so precious and play together and love each other. They would Uh be perfect. Speaking of cats, Meatloaf is back. Yay. (laughs) Yay. This episode may include some interruptions. Are we even... Have we started yet? Is this a thing? Everybody, thank you so much for listening to this podcast is haunted. My name is Kate. My name is Jen, and you're listening to Cat Corner. <laughs> we are just all cats all the time. I noticed um, today that my Twitter has been very cat-heavy, very cat-centric, uh, and I'm not necessarily sorry about that, but I just it was just an observation that I had. <laughs> I uh, The reason that I'm a little more cat-heavy than normal is because um, my laptop that I normally record with out in our barn uh, mm-hmm. up and died. So, oh, it died? Yeah. The, oh, shit. The, that's, so what it has been happening is not a problem uh, mm-hmm. with Audible, which is what I, which is what I record on. Uh, Audacity, but in you fact, mean? What did I say? Audible, oh. which is a very fine service that I hope will sponsor us someday. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? That would be fantastic. Especially because we both use Audible all yeah. the time. I, Meatloaf, stop. Like, Meatloaf, stop. Come over here. Here, look. You can yeah, have this butter pat. Is... Just go away from me. This is what's going to happen. Um, I know. Yeah. I reached the master level of listening on Audible years ago, and I have nowhere to get nowhere to go now. I'm like, 
I need another level. Anyway. <laughs> Audible, well, come at Audible. us. <laughs> reach reach out, man. You get a lot of our money. We'd like to get some of that back. <laughs> Please. I know. They, they, they got so much of my money. Anyway. I ain't even mad, though, because I'm really happy with their service. I get... They I mean, have like, some really good shit. Wait, it, wait, wait, wait. Oh, go ahead. Don't... Let's not... You know what? We're, we're gonna, I'm going to withhold the rest of my praise until you give us money, Audible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, get in touch. Um, yeah. Anyway, so my computer died, and so I'm inside using the big computer. And while we mm. can take the dog out to the outbuilding and he'll be quiet out there, um, it's really the cat's house, and we both know it. So mm-hmm. Meatloaf is in here with me today being a bit of an adorable pest. Um, so yeah. he will come in and out. And now he's gone again. So I'm sorry if you guys hear weird thumpings or purrings. Uh, We're not trying to clean it up in post. Don't don't add us about EVPs. Oh my gosh! Yeah, please don't. That makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> oh my gosh! So speaking of EVPs, um, yeah. do you want to talk about spooky shit? Yeah, let's do it. Um, what are we talking about today? Oh, 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 oh! Right, hang on. Here's my notes. Here's my notes. Sorry, oh, wait, I have to. Uh, <laughs> I had to hide them from the cat because he saw paper on a desk and he was like, mm-hmm. ah, clearly a bed for me. Cat trap. Piece of paper uh, on the floor. Piece of paper. on. Have you ever seen the thing um, where people write this box is for assholes and they leave it out for cats to jump in? Yep. And then take pictures <laughs> because that makes me laugh all the time. That's so good. Can we, all right, can uh, we just do one more pet thing and then I swear to God we'll be done? Sure. Yeah. Okay. We so, won't be, but yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> that's true. Um, so you guys know that in addition to Meatloaf, who uh, loves Dan and I very much, he's a very affectionate cat, we also have Gambit, who worships the ground I walk on. Now, Gambit is a dog. He's half Cairn Terrier, half Dachshund. So he looks like Jim Henson redid Toto from The Wizard of Oz and just like made a Muppet version of Toto. That's my yeah. Dog. That's for right. Sure. Like that's exactly what yeah. he looks like. Yeah, and he looks like a cartoon character. <laughs> he's the neediest animal to walk the face of the earth. Like he is desperate for my love and attention all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there was this video going around the internet of people playing hide and seek with their dogs. Oh my god! Yes. Where like you know like a girl stand behind a doorway and the dog's like, but where is she? I can smell her. I just I don't see her. What's going on? And they start to like mm-hmm. worry. Yeah. Did you? Oh my god, did you do it? Yes. Holy shit. <laughs> no, it's... Hang on. It doesn't have the ending that you think it's going to have. Oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> every time Gambit goes outside, when he gets back mm-hmm. in, he runs through the house until he finds me. Yes. And so, you know, I'm usually either pooping, in bed, mm-hmm. or sitting in my chair. Like, those are my spots. <laughs> yeah. And so Dan was like... Actually, I told Dan about it, and he was like, okay... I'll tape it. You go hide. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I hid in our walk-in closet behind the door in our bedroom. Yes. Uh-huh. And so Gambit comes running in and Dan is taping and Gambit goes room to room. He checks the office. He checks the bathroom. He checks my chair. He's sniffing around the living room like, where's that bitch? And as he mm-hmm. searches all the rooms that he could possibly find me in, Dan's filming the whole time. Uh-huh. And then Gambit all of a sudden realizes that I must be gone. Oh, and no. his tail drops and he starts oh. to cry. And oh, no. I felt like a monster. Like you can oh. see the minute my dog's heart breaks because he thinks I've left and didn't oh, say goodbye. 
Oh my god, do you have the video though? Uh, Dan has the video. I'll send it to you guys so we can put it up somewhere. But no, it's well, maybe. I don't know how dirty the house is. I might just send it to you, Jen. Okay, uh, all right. Well, like that's fine. I don't want to show everybody else like if there's like underwear and shit on the floor. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah I get that. But anyway, yeah. So um, when you do that and your dog has anxiety issues, you actually feel oh, like no. a jerk, and it's not yeah. cute or funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Gabby. Poor baby. Yeah. Meatloaf just walked in again because, and right as we were like, "Oh, poor baby," and he was like, "Yes, me." And I think he heard you say, "Poor Gabby," and he like looked at me like, "Ugh." Oh, that Ugh, asshole! That fucker. <laughs> <laughs> um. So <sighs> speaking of assholes, yes. Let's talk about dead motherfuckers. What? Uh, who? Mm-hmm. We're talking about ghosts who solved their own murders today, or, or played a part. Yes. In solving their own murder. Um, yes. And I say speaking of assholes, because you kind of have to be an asshole to fucking murder somebody. Yeah, this is kind of our our, our take on true crime podcasts, because, you know, the market is saturated. So we're like, you know what, we're going to not do true crime. But the, like, also, I kind of love true crime. So this is me being like, can we talk about it for a second? Just like, just like bridging the gap. We're bridging the yeah. gap today. Yeah, this is like, this is like our, and that's why we drink. Um Oh, we need to be friends with them. Yes, yes, yes. Everyone, if you don't listen to and that's why we drink, go do it because they're, I mean, you probably already have heard of them because they're like more popular than us. It's fine. It's whatever. Uh, but they're great. You should listen to them. And I want to be friends. Hi. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if that's why you drink, if you guys are listening, um, get in touch, man. You seem awesome as hell. Okay. My story takes place. Once upon, I don't know, I don't know what I'm, why I'm doing it this way. Um, anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time in the magical land of West Virginia. Yeah, I also, I'm also always tempted to do it like the dollop style where I just yell, February 21st, 1977. <laughs> oh man, there's another show I want to be friends with. Like those guys yeah. make me laugh. But speaking of being more popular than us, Jesus, we'll never well, be on that level. Right. They were featured in a documentary about... Uh, the greatest um, online scam I've ever seen. And it almost really? there. Dude, have you not seen Tickled? Oh, my God. No, I have not. <gasps> Jeff. I know. I have quite the assignment for you. It is wild from start to finish. Uh, also, <laughs> Muskegon, Michigan uh, plays a part. <laughs> oh, no. So it <laughs> is wild from start to finish. It will no. You have no idea what uncomfortable even is. You will be uh-huh. so uncomfortable the entire time you're oh, watching no. this documentary. Oh no! Oh, uh, no. It almost got an Oscar. That's incredible. Yeah. So watch it and report okay. back. Everybody else, All report right. back too. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, po- all other podcasts aside, <laughs> our, my story starts February twenty first, nineteen seventy seven. Uh, a respiratory therapist named Teresita Bassa, uh, who had worked at a at Edgewater Hospital in Chicago, was found dead in her apartment. Her first name is what again? Teresita. That's lovely. Yes, I think she's Filipino. Um, the 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 deeply troubling part about this story is that I mean it it's been featured in like, uh, not forty eight hours, but like some kind of like documentary and then that inspired a film in the 90s um mm-hmm. called a voice from the grave Ooh, yeah it doesn't look was great. it made for tv because it sounds like a made for tv movie i don't know um uh, but it's 
Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't look fantastic. But the main thing that they did was they whitewashed everyone in the story. So And that's the nineties for you. Yeah. None of the three major characters involved are white and uh but this film made it that way. So good job. Charming. Good job, Hollywood. <laughs> um anyway, so she was found dead in her apartment. She'd been stabbed through the chest with a kitchen knife and set on fire under a pile of burning clothes and a mattress. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Her body had been stripped of clothes and posed to look as if she'd been raped, although later medical officials had determined that no sexual assault had taken place. Well, thank God for small mercies. Yeah, it's like, okay, I guess that's... Okay, yeah, I know. It's like, at the end of the day, she's still dead. But at least that didn't happen. Right. Two uh, Chicago police detectives are assigned to the case. Joseph Spatula and Lee Eplin. I'm Um, sorry. Did you say his name was Joseph Spatula? Spatula with a T. I know. The whole, but like, yeah, Spatula. Spatula. It's close enough. Yeah, it's close enough. So they are assigned to the case and it took them a while to piece together anything what they what they did figure out was that uh the night she died she'd been at home in her apartment and received at least two phone calls one around 7 10 p.m from a friend to talk about uh selling a pair of tickets for an upcoming event and then another at 7 30 um from a friend and that lasted about 20 minutes so sometime after that she was murdered wow And then at around 8.40 p.m., firefighters responded to a call of a fire on the 15th floor of her apartment. And that's where she, they found, well, it says, the article I read said they found her mortally wounded body. So maybe she wasn't like completely dead yet, but that's But she was under, so wait, she might have still been alive underneath the flaming mattress? Yeah. Jesus Christ, poor Teresita. That's not right. awful, that's awful. That is an awful way to die. Shit, Jen. (laughs) Aren't you having fun? (laughs) Get out of here. I love you so much. Get out away from my microphone. Hmm. No, that's just, it's a, it's, yeah, no, it's, there's not mm -hmm. even words. I, I really, I truly hope she was dead. Yeah, that would, that would be nice, huh? Okay. Um, but that's, that's you. I was like, God, I hope she was. And Jen's like, mm, that would be nice. But I sort of suspect she wasn't. <laughs> I sort of Ever the realist. she was not. Ever the yeah. realist, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they, so a neighbor's uh, had, you know, smelled smoke and called 911. Wait, sorry. Did you say that was on the 15th floor of an apartment in Chicago? Yes. So this person who murdered her not only was willing to murder her, and but set her set... possibly on fire, but also mm-hmm. possibly endanger the lives of people in a massive Around. Chicago building. Yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. Fuck that person. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, but I don't. I don't think it had spread enough to like really put other people in danger. But yeah, it's not. That's. I mean, that's, that's great. <laughs> I mean, this person did kill a person. So like, at the end of the day, they're not really winning any awards <laughs> for <laughs> to good say behavior. It's not great. It's very much an understatement. Yeah, you are right. It's not great. That's uh, not a shining moment. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. The firefighters were called. Also, I assume police showed up. So they put out the fire. No major damage to the rest of the apartment building, I assume, because it's not listed in the information. But they've they saw the home it had appeared to have been ransacked again it was staged to look like she had been sexually assaulted but she hadn't so they 
didn't really have much to go off of. They interviewed people to, you know, see what they could find. They searched the apartment. They found a handwritten note in her journal that said, get tickets for AS. So initials, AS. But that's about all they had. And that, this uh, went on for about six months where they're investigating and just like didn't really find anything and just like couldn't really get anywhere. But in August of that year, they receive a call from the Evanston police who had received a tip from a couple in the area, Jose and Remy Chua. Chua? Chua. I'm so bad. T-U-A? Um, C-H-U-A. Chua? Chua. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go with that. Um, so Jose, who is a doctor, um, told Detective Statula that his wife had become possessed by someone claiming to be Teresita Bassa. On Holy three s- shit. Yes. <laughs> so we went from... Wait, so it's not just a ghost. This is a fucking possession by a dead spirit? Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Might be my favorite story we've ever told. Keep going, darling. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so she was possessed on three separate occasions. Um, <sighs> yes. Um, and on these occasions, she told her husband a few different details about about how she Basa was killed and by whom. And it said that uh, that Jose, the, the doctor, was like, didn't really want to, like, he, he didn't share this information for a while because he was just kind of hoping that the police would figure it out because he didn't want to call them up and be like, hey, so, uh, so my wife has had these visions. My wife is and... possessed. <laughs> so, like, I don't entirely blame him because that's a little bit insane. Yeah. So, uh, at, while she was possessed, she, she named Alan Showery as the murderer. We've um, got some great names in this one. Yes. <laughs> um, she said that he had gone to the apartment in order to fix a television set and that he proceeded to steal jewelry from her apartment. Allegedly, Basa said through Remy Chua that the jewelry that was stolen had been purchased in France as a gift from Teresita's father and to her mother, and it was then given to her. It stayed... Uh, the voice also stated that Shauri had given the stolen jewelry to his girlfriend. Wow. So this guy was a repairman who came into her house? Yeah. He, so she didn't yeah, know him ahead of time? Well, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he came into her house, stole jewelry. Um, she, uh, Remy Chua, through possession, also named specific names of individuals who could identify the jewelry and also their telephone numbers. <laughs> so, wow. Wow. Yeah. That is. Yeah. Wow. It's very specific, huh? Yeah. Do you so it imagine was... that like this is just the ghost who was like, and also you can reach them at 1-810-1010-14. I mean, <laughs> if you're a ghost, like that's like the best thing that you can do. Like that's. It just, I, like, I always this think This guy of... did it. This is what happened. These are specific. Like, what I appreciate is the attention to, like, provable details. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's very unusual. Um, just because a lot of ghosts in, I mean, in my very limited experience, uh, I'm in no way an authority. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it seems like it requires a great deal of energy to get yeah. through. So, like, mm-hmm. was this woman basically like a human nuclear reactor and she just had all of this energy going through on the other side where she could just, like... <laughs> 
I don't know, not only like know everything and keep track of it all, but like, oh yeah, his name is Alan Showery and he was yeah. a TV repairman and he stole this uh, these gifts from my father from France and like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's so detail rich and also like- he gave him... Go ahead. I'm just imagine her being so annoyed at what happened that she's like, listen, this is what <laughs> happened. Tell the police. <laughs> you think you're getting away with this? Not today, motherfucker. Not today. <laughs> Good for her. I hope I have that much gumption if I'm ever murdered. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, she, so she gives, she names names. She gives details. So from this information, they track him down and they go to his apartment. And he's there, and they, they start asking him about what happened. And, you know, of course, he denies everything. But they, while they're at the apartment, um, and they, they bring him into the station, and they question him, and he's telling this story about, you know, how, like, he wasn't there. and like. But while they're, you know, questioning him, they also search his apartment where they find two pieces of jewelry. <laughs> that his girlfriend said that was that that he was given to her by you know Shari as a late Wait, Christmas gift. Go ahead and try that whole sentence again cuz you sounded crazy there for a second. Okay. So from they found two pieces of jewelry. Uh, okay. Um so they found two pieces of jewelry. <gasps> and um yeah that had been given to so, oh, Jesus. Okay. So, Alan, <laughs> I can't do this. I sound like a crazy person. Okay. You do. <laughs> and now I'm overthinking it. Oh, it just, it just like, made me laugh that you, like, gasped again. <laughs> I believe in the authenticity of the take. <sighs> okay. But, okay, so one of those lines we can use. Um, <laughs> No, okay. So he found you. Don't you don't you don't have to gasp again. I'm just like gonna get into it. <laughs> okay. Stop it. <laughs> oh, go ahead, babe. I'll stop laughing. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. So they found pieces of jewelry that were given to um, his girlfriend by him as a Christmas present. You know, bagged it as evidence, and they brought in some of. Teresita's relatives and family I think maybe the same people that were named specifically or maybe not it's unclear um, and they identified it as having belonged to Teresita so evidence wow yeah and so they get all this evidence and um and eventually he kind of like gives in and confesses he had said that he w- he did go to her apartment the night of the murder to fix her television but that she had called or that he was going to <laughs> go to her apartment to fix the television but she had called to cancel and so he went home to like he just like didn't he wasn't there so but, he was like oh psych man i just did i never showed up yeah she called I me off. i wasn't there and i don't know how this weird french very specific jewelry got mm-hmm. to my house that's weird this is fucking weird man yeah you know how you know, the, they've been saying that, oh, you went to fix her television, and so you've been calling him a TV repairman? Yeah. that That's not actually his job. Oh. Yeah. Turns out that he worked at the same hospital as Teresita. They oh. knew each other at work. She, Teresita Bassa, knew that he was in a tough financial situation, and so he had... Bassa had kind of, like, hired him on the side to do, like, errands and, like, other tasks for her, 
I guess. Wow, so she was like, doing that out of like the goodness of her heart to help somebody yes. who was down on their luck. And she got fucking murdered for it. Yeah, and I think through this, he kind of just like, she was like tipping him and stuff. So like he was like, okay, well, you've got money to throw around, I guess. And like, I know where you live and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, they they had known each other before. Wow. So he admitted to going to visit Basa the night of her death, rendering her unconscious and staging the sexual assault, stealing what he could find before igniting the fire. He just, so that's, he just came out and admitted it eventually? Yes. I mean, it was like he started like denying everything, which is which is why I was having a hard time telling like what he said because it was just like, oh, no, I didn't do this. I did that, blah, blah, blah. Um, but eventually after they confronted him with the evidence that they had, he was like, okay, never mind. I did do this. Um, he doesn't – I don't think he said outright that he murdered her, but like clearly he left her for dead, so – he yeah. rendered her unconscious and then moved a mattress on top of her and, and set lit it, it on, on fire. fire. So, yeah. like, okay. <laughs> I feel like that's still murder. Feels uh, feels pretty fucking murdery to me. That's, call yeah. me crazy. Yep. You know, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, so they have this confession out of him and they move towards trial. Um, it's... <laughs> This apparently was a big deal trial because Remy Chua was brought in to testify, you know, as saying, like, you know, I was possessed by the, by the spirit of Basa and she spoke through, through my lips was a quote. Um, so it was called The Voice from the Grave Trial, which is where they get the title to the film. And That's other. so fucking amazing. Can you imagine what the jury was thinking? Like it, that's, yeah, that's really risky for prosecutors to be like, and then the ghost came through because mm-hmm. then, you know, they I mean, like if, if you have one doubter, if you have mm-hmm. one person who doubts and thinks that there's a conspiracy that offers a line for reasonable doubt and yep. that can get this guy off. Yep. You know, like well, mistrial int- technicalities. There's all mm-hmm. sorts of shit. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting you say that because actually the Chua's testified for the defense huh i think well, because they thought that it would seem crazy yeah absolutely if i were if i were a defense attorney i suppose i would call that too yeah so yeah i think that was their strategy because basically what they're saying is like this is what her story is and this is what the entire like this is what the detectives based their entire theory off of which is essentially true because and and they came back with we're you know, they're arguing that, okay, well, like, it seems like a little crazy, the source of our information, but all of it turned out to be true. Right. So this guy did have the fucking yeah. French jewelry. So yeah, like it's a weird source, but like it pointed them towards actual evidence. Yeah. So yeah. But then on the, on the fifth day of the trial, Shari claimed that he had only confessed to the crime after police fed him info and threatened to arrest him and his pregnant girlfriend on murder charges. So now you I mean, have... Honestly, that does the, sound like the Chicago PD. I know. This is where I'm like, okay, maybe that... And what I want to know is like, when did people know what? Because that can make a big difference on like, you know, how much information the public might have known and like how he might have been coached. Because that does happen. It does. <laughs> and, so, and so this is where I started becoming skeptical. So at the trial, he claimed that he had been at dinner with his girlfriend on the night of the murder before drinking and playing darts with a neighbor at 7.30 p.m. So he's now claiming that he was, like, never there at all, which 
like I just don't I don't know what is the truth because <laughs> he just like gave a bunch of different stories and so this was all very confusing to the jury and the trial ended on January 26 1979 in a mistrial with a deadlocked jury they just like could not 79 this went on for two years yeah holy mm-hmm. shit what a fucking nightmare yeah i mean a lot of times trials it takes this long to like a investigate right be like charge someone and then like bring it through fully to trial like so i, I assume the trial lasted for um like a month or so i don't know I don't know. Things in the justice system take forever all the time. So the trial, like, so the trial didn't go, like, it didn't, it didn't work because it ended in a mistrial. So they have to schedule another trial. But a month later, Shari pleaded guilty. What? Well, yeah. (laughs) This is just like the most bad shit insane. Like, I just don't, he he pleaded guilty um, saying that he, yeah, that he did it basically exactly how they said that he did (laughs) this is a fucking wild ride yeah i know right so he was he was uh, sentenced to a total of 14 years for the murder robbery and arson and then he was paroled in 1983 after serving less than five years so that's great (laughs) super but then here's some more information that'll make people a little more skeptical maybe so remember remy chua yeah she's the one who had these possessions turns out that she knew showery from work they all worked at the same hospital oh did she yes they worked at the same department of the edgewater hospital so she suspected that showery had been making complaints about her quality of work at the hospital and uh, she had also just lost her job possibly because of these complaints so she had an axe to grind against showery she had an axe to grind. She also suspected that he had made prank call towards her, like the day of the first possession or something. Um, I'm yeah. calling bullshit on this possession. No way. I bet you that mm-hmm. this is not a paranormal story, but it's actually a true crime story where this guy, uh, you know, these three people who all work together, you know how you always, like, you always know what's going on with your coworkers. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you don't talk about it directly, you still, you pick up things, you hear things. These three were tangled mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. He needed the money. Shua knew that he needed the money. Mm-hmm. And, like, she had enough to suspect, but she didn't have enough to take to the police. So they had to come up with... Another, yeah yeah and then just like after that it was just a basic thing of oh well would her family be able to identify this jewelry that she'd been talking about or that she'd worn before Mm -hmm. yeah and i that is actually the prevailing theory um a lot of people think that she was probably afraid of what chari might do to her um if she outright accused him so she kind of like used the possession as like oh it's not me you know it's it's Bossa talking through me. Right. Um, she there since they did work together. There's a chance that she may have overheard him talking about his involvement, um, and just like didn't know how else to come forward about it. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. I'm Still, not, how interesting. Well, one of my main questions is, um, 
still like who knew what when um because i think i think there's a chance that some of this information could have been published in the media and so like maybe she knew about because if she didn't know about the note with the initials as like that does seem a little weird that she would just come out and be like it was this guy but like if she had seen that in the newspaper she could have been like oh i bet it was the, you know right you know? i bet you it was this guy and like did she know about the jewelry because <laughs> like that's a that's a pretty good guess if that's a guess you know that's yeah that's true and and you know what maybe the prevailing theory is wrong maybe there was you know the ghost was like yep here's what's up <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know the skeptic in me is saying that it probably wasn't but still it's fun to think about but still like i just want to know like what's the order of information because i feel like that would make a big difference in like what i believe like if she if she had heard i mean or maybe she just heard him talking about it and that's how she knew the information right then also like what an idiot (laughs) (laughs) well you know I mean, he, he works in a like hospital, those... but he doesn't yeah. have enough money to pay his bills. So maybe he's not the brightest well, bulb in the bunch. Well, he wasn't like, he wasn't like a doctor. It like... <clears throat> doesn't matter. Hospitals pay pretty well. Yeah. Even there, um, like here at Spectrum, you can make a good living just cleaning hospital rooms. Hmm. Okay. Well. Yeah. So. Yeah. All that sweet, sweet insurance money flowing about. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is actually really interesting. What's also interesting is how many things our two stories have in common. Really? Yes. So, well, of course, obviously the theme that the ghost helped yeah. solve their own murder. Yeah. But the court cases and the the crime of passion. Mm. I guess I'll just start. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> this is the story of the Greenbrier ghost. And okay. um, it's, it's a very popular story. A lot of you may have already heard it. This is Greenbrier County, West Virginia. And the murder happened in 1897, so it's Victorian. Yes, I love the old-timey ones. (laughs) Oh my god, so good. (laughs) So, Greenbrier County, West Virginia, this woman whose name is Elva Zora Heaster Shoe. What a fucking name. Right? Uh, I'm sorry, I said Zora, I meant Zona. Elva Zona Zona Heaster Shoe. That Elva Zona Heaster, what? (laughs) Keister, not Keister, but yeah. Keister? Keister. I mean, like, whatever. Listen, so, you thought I said spatula, so there we go. we're all having a hard time. Actually, uh, I picked this one because my hetero life partner, my BFF from like middle school and high school, her name is Elva. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, small thing. So, but just like my Elva, this mm-hmm. Elva goes by her middle name. So most people refer to her as Zona, Z-O-N-A. Which is just an insane name. I mean, Elva Zona is already pretty... Elva Zona. Elva Zona. Her mother's name was Mary Jane, and I wonder if the mother was like, this name's so boring. Like, I'll never name any of my kids, like, Kate, because it sounds so dull. Like, do you know how many Kates there are who are, you know, roughly the same age as me? Yeah, I'm friends with all of them. I have, like, five friends named Kate. (laughs) There's, we're, we are, there's a lot of us. There's so many. (laughs) So Mary Jane has Elvazona, and uh, Elvazona was born somewhere around 1893. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, it's like I can't read today. 1873. Oh. Okay. <laughs> we don't know much about her life except for that she had she was brought up near Richlands, 
uh, and she gave birth to a child out of wedlock. Never again will this child be talked about, though, so I almost hesitate to bring it up because it's like, this kid was born and nobody gave a single solitary shit. Okay. Well, so, I mean, they probably didn't want to talk. I mean, I guess it's like, yeah, it's I don't the know. Victorians. <laughs> it's a it's a weird time. So she was 22 when she had the baby in 1895. The following year, in 1896, she meets Edward Stribbing Trout. I'm sorry, Edward Stribbling Trout. Oh, Jesus, I know. Aren't the names amazing what? today? What? <laughs> yes. So dear old Eddie is a drifter. Mm-hmm. Always, always oh. a dream man. Mm, yes. Um, but he comes to uh, the Richlands area trying to start a new life. and He wanted to work as a blacksmith. So he finds works in the shop of, are you getting this? James yes. Crookshanks. Jesus. That's his name. Oh. Like the cat. <laughs> this is all made up by J.K. Rowling. That's not <laughs> right. A ghost story by J.K. Rowling. Yeah. So Zona met him uh, not long after he arrived in the town. Uh, mm-hmm. He was trying to find work as a blacksmith. They quickly uh, married. They fell in love. But the whole time, Mary Jane, the mother, was like, mm, bad idea. Hashtag red flag. What if we don't? So she mm. totally opposes the match. But they Wait, get why? married anyway. Did well, I he's just, just like money he's or a drifter? Why? Oh, yeah, he is a drifter. I would that's right. That's yeah. enough. What do you got uh, against grifters, mother? <laughs> Uh, I try not to be overly elitist, but I could imagine my mother having a problem with that, too. Like, Oh, for sure. One of my mother's favorite things about Dan, and there's so many things to love about Dan, but her, definitely her favorite thing is how well employed he is. <laughs> that he has a job. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. I mean, it's pretty nice. Let's be honest. All parents want that for their children. Like, I don't I don't entirely blame her. <laughs> totally. Well, and on top of that, there's something about somebody who can maintain... Mm-hmm. You know, a job for a long period of time that says something yeah. about the stability of their mind and their habits. Right, and so right, right, right. It's just a good indicator of overall. And this is not a time where, health. yeah, where like women are going to be holding down the job of the two. So like, right. it's up to him to provide. Right, and absolutely. So there's some real pragmatic things to think about here too. Yeah. Okay. So the mom disliked Eddie just immediately. Mm-hmm. She was not on board. Objected to the match, but they got married anyway. Listen to this shit. She met him October Mm -hmm. of 1896. Mm -hmm. They got married within two months or so. And then by January 23rd of 1897, this bitch is dead. Jeez. Come on, Zona. Where's your judgment? (laughs) Well, this is right. It reminds me of Frozen. where They're like, you can't marry somebody that you just met a few hours ago. That's not a thing. People... Listen, I have a good marriage, and so I'm here. I'm here to smugly give out advice. <laughs> don't marry somebody who you've known for less than three weeks. Like, just, mm-hmm. just don't. Like, that doesn't. Yeah. I know that should seem seem like common sense, but I know a lot of you damn fools out there. <sighs> okay, so mm-hmm. let's get on to the murder most foul. Yes. That's why we're here. Um, <laughs> so they lived in peace for a short time. By January twenty third, eighteen ninety seven, Zona has bit it. Okay. And so what happened, the body was discovered by a child sent on an errand by the husband. Eddie sends a kid to the house to send some message or to relay something to his wife, some sort of errand. He finds... Fully knowing that she's dead? 
Girl, you're getting ahead of me. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Allegedly. We don't know that she was the criminal yet, but guys, he totally did it. I mean, it's always the husband. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, so Eddie Eddie the blacksmith, Eddie the drifter slash blacksmith, sends mm-hmm. this kid on an errand to the house, mm. and the kid finds Zor- Zona. Now listen to this. This is the yes. boy found her lying at the foot of the stairs. Okay, uh-huh. uh, maybe she's collapsed. Maybe she's had a heart attack. Maybe she fainted. Maybe if it's Maybelline. Were... <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> if you think that you had fallen down the stairs in a way that would kill you, yeah. in what position would your body be? Face down, maybe? Okay. Just like partially on the stairs or like, Arms I don't know. Akimbo. Depends on the arm. Yeah, like spread eagle, just like, yeah, Not looking like kind you of fell. haphazard, yeah. Yeah. So I found this detail very interesting. Okay. He found her at the foot of the stairs with her feet together mm-hmm. and one hand on her stomach. This is very the staircase. I don't know that story. Uh, you know what? I, To be honest, I've never seen the documentary, but I've just heard it referenced so many times. They've referenced it so like many I know times. It. <laughs> You're right. On my favorite murder. I know that there's possibly an owl involved. Yes. But I don't know that story at all. Anyway, found dead at the bottom of a staircase. Found, is the found point. dead, posed awkwardly. So mm-hmm. the boy goes to tell his mom, the little boy's mom, that he found a dead body because what else are you going to do? Right. And so she, the mother of the young boy, summons the doctor and local coroner, George okay. W. Knapp. Now, Knapp wouldn't arrive for an hour. Now, Knapp, um, being the town doctor, already had a history with Zona, mm-hmm. he knew that she had been having, he'd been treating her for ha- for female trouble. And of course, that's <laughs> all the historic record will offer us. Okay. He won't say exactly what it is. Is it hemorrhaging? Is it, I don't know, picos? It, it could, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Yeah. Um, it could be a lot of things. I'm just like thinking about the level of medical attention that any male doctor was giving a woman in that area at right. that time. And it's probably right. not like, oh my God, it's in your vagina. Ugh. I bet you he never has even seen her vagina. Like, like he probably was just like, oh, that's unfortunate. That's too bad. We can't do anything about that. Here, do some heroin about it. Yeah. Here's a little lot them. Enjoy that. Oh. Um, try that with a little snoot of cocaine, and that's what we call medicine in 1897. <laughs> and then take some mercury for your syphilis. <laughs> right. Gross. Just <laughs> actively killing people with their medical uh, That was knowledge. That was what they were doing. All right, so nap takes an mm-hmm. hour to arrive. By that okay. time, dear old Eddie boy has moved the body from where the local child had found her. Mm-hmm. He carried his wife's body upstairs, laid her out on the bed. Uh, he mm. dro- he washed and dressed the corpse. Oh, my God. So that's not something you should ever do. Don't move the body. Yeah. Why would you touch Although, the body? Like, at that time, he could have just like, I mean, people didn't know. So True. it could be innocent. But Yes. But it's also <laughs> unusual that a man should take on the job. Uh, according to these notes... Typically, washing and preparing a body for burial would have been undertaken by the women in the community. Really? And I did not know that. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, like... I guess it kind of seems like a little... Jesus. Yeah, it's it's kind of like giving a bath and stuff, and that's not, you know, men's work. Men's work. Especially not if you're a big old burly blacksmith. Right. Blacksmiths have a lot of strength in their arms. We're going to revisit that idea in a little bit. Ooh. Yes, yeah, so strong arms. Don't make it sound romantic. 
listen, there's a reason why at every single living history museum, the blacksmiths are the hot ones. I have never seen a hot blacksmith in my life. Really? Well, you're not going to the same museums I am. Well, you also have to remember that I'm not particularly attracted to muscle structure. Well, okay, it's not just the muscles. <laughs> you know where I do like, uh, I there is a blacksmith in over in uh, Outlander, but it might mm. just be that he's wearing a kilt. Mm. Outlander. I do. I do. Mm. Whew, kilts. Oh. Kilts. Is it uh. moist in here or is it just me? Oh. <laughs> Meatloaf, go away. We're having a moment. <laughs> I got to some very... Okay, so for all you audience, um, I have been rewatching outlander while also reading outlander and i I just kind of like text kate every once in a while about things <laughs> and lately i've been reading and watching some very steamy scenes and actually the other day i was i was watching it out you know in my living room in the morning and one of my roommates comes out and i'm like don't look at this screen don't look don't look don't look just you're just so casually like indulging in living room porn i mean that's really what outlander is for ladies it's like very this yeah, is as close to pornography as i get into yes <laughs> i used to have a huge porn collection jen did you know that about me yes we've been over this <laughs> so good i miss it i really do i miss uh, some of those but anyway yeah no outlander is like really is uh we highly recommend I? it it's mm, yep so uh, it's so were beautiful. We, what were we talking about? Um, blacksmiths. They're oh wait, anyway, blacksmiths. He oh, has no, a lot wait, of no, no. <laughs> what? Wait, oh. Okay, so uh, murder, Jen. Murder. A, a woman is dead. <laughs> I got distracted by muscles. Okay, <laughs> muscles and kilts. Uh, anyway. Okay, focus. <laughs> right. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, this guy, our burly blacksmith. Mm-hmm. Eddie Deer uh, is up the stairs and he is as the doctor is coming up to examine the body mm-hmm. uh, Eddie is just overcome with grief he is cradling his wife's head he's sobbing mm. now remember this is the Victorians Jen what can you tell me about the Victorians and overt shows of emotion Um, I mean like not generally acceptable especially for men who are supposed to be what? Yeah, makes everybody I... kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. So that maybe you would want to, like, if you're feeling uncomfortable with the amount of emotion being showed by a guy, you might want maybe you'll want to leave. get out of that situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so when Dr. Knapp is coming up to examine this corpse, the, the corpse of Zona, yep. the husband is crying and wailing and cradling his wife's head uh, and not letting him get close mm. to, oh, she, you know, she's my beautiful wife. She's my beautiful wife. Um, mm-hmm. And so all he can see, he gives the body a very brief examination. He does see some bruising on the neck. But when he tries to look Weird. closer, isn't it? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> when he tried to get closer, oh, what's up with this uh, this here bruising? Shu reacted so violently that uh. Nap ended the examination and left the house. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Ain't that interesting. Weird. So he had to get together and make a cause of death. Mm-hmm. So he initially wrote down everlasting faint. Isn't that the most Victorian shit you've ever heard? Everlasting faint? Like she just fainted and just like didn't wake up? Yeah. And now she's oh dead. And, that's, and that was an actual cause of death that you could use in 1897. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Well, it's the everlasting faint. 
Oh my god. Doctors had no idea what women were. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, they wouldn't even know what germs were until just about this time. So. That's true. But can you imagine them ever, like, saying that a man died that way? Right. They just, like, didn't think that they were the same, like, species. Well, I even wonder if, um, you know, this is what they thought of, because they, you know, women are thought to, not in any small part due to corsets and the under things, but have strokes. If you're wearing a corset, you can move a blood clot very easily through lacing and unlacing your corset. And so, you know, how many strokes or everlasting faints possibly mm-hmm. were caused? You know, putting that pressure on your organs is mm-hmm. is toxic. Anyway, so he calls it everlasting faint at first, and then he later changes it to childbirth, which also uh, doesn't make sense. Was she been pregnant? Tre- well, he'd been treating her for female trouble, and we don't know what that means. So, so maybe um, again, she was doctor... troubled by pregnancy. <laughs> right. And it killed her, which, you know, that's yes. a thing that happens. There's no wow. baby coming out of her. She's not in active labor. So, sure, that's probably what it is, Doc. You're right. You, oh, my God. You did A-plus in medical school, sir. Great job, you. Ugh. The past is a nightmare. Oh, my God. Never, ever. Never, ever. Yeah. So, um, fortunately, her parents, her father was still alive, though we don't have his name. Her mm-hmm. mother, Mary Jane Hurster, as soon as she heard about her daughter's death, say the devil has killed her as mm. soon as she heard the news. Now, she's buried the next day, January 24th, 1897. She's buried in a local cemetery, which is now known as the Soul, S-O-U-L-E, Chapel mm-hmm. Methodist Cemetery. So, during the course of this funeral... What was common in those days was sort of a, a sometimes, it, uh, fuck, what's it called? There's another word for it besides wake, um, uh, but it's it's a coffin sit. You sit with the body uh, like and make sure. Like, mm-hmm. the, yes, but it's in the, usually it's just family. Um, mm-hmm. It was where you would, you know, rub the body with oils, say what? last rites, and then you would <laughs> okay. sit with the corpse overnight uh-huh. And it would be kind of like awake. Um, and the reason that they're you did not that, Jewish, are they? <laughs> well, burying it within 24 hours and the unusual names, it's possible. The name Zona. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Now there's a cat on my shoulder. <laughs> they buried her the next day. Because she was buried in a Methodist cemetery, I don't actually think she was Jewish. Uh, it mm-hmm. is possible, though. But during the course of this wake, Shoe Eddie is showing mm-hmm. all sorts of devotion. Just wow, he mm. was standing right by her head the entire time. Something about the head, huh? Something just right there, never quite leaving the head alone. Interesting, ain't it just? Hmm. So the body was laid out at the mother's house during the wake. His grief changed repeatedly from overwhelming sadness to incredible energy. So he's having kind of like these bipolar episodes, maybe. Mm. Which, that's using a modern term. I don't know if this guy actually had bipolar disorder. He probably right. didn't. I'm just saying. I mean, it that's could just it be seemed. like freaking mania over like what you've just done. And like, right. Yeah. Nobody was allowed to come near the coffin. Uh-huh. Nobody was allowed to be close while he was placing a pillow on one side of her head and a rolled-up uh-huh. sheet on the other. He's kind of jamming stuff in 
on both sides of her neck. And so he says that it would help his wife rest easier. Oh, it's, oh, it's going to help her, you know, go to, she's, it's fine. He's also going to tie a large scarf around her neck saying that had tearfully that it had been her favorite. Gosh, isn't he so considerate about her neck? (laughs) So many red flags. So many. When it did come time to move the corpse, and remember, this is an open coffin until they would na- nail a lid on later. So they can, they're can they in full view of the body mm-hmm. with its scarf and its pillow and its rolled up sheet. But as they're moving the body, several people still noted that there was a strange looseness to Zona's head. Now, that, are you, it's been 24 what? hours. Are you familiar with rigor mortis? Yeah, it like sets Ain't in Ain't nothing after supposed to be loose about this girl. Well, but it also can be broken after it can. a yes. few more hours. That's true. I um, listen but to it... true crime podcasts, so that's how <laughs> I know that. Either way, it's very suspicious. Yeah. So the mom was convinced right away that the son-in-law had murdered her. Afterwards, she had this vision, sort of. So she, the sheet that he had jammed up next to her neck, she noticed that it smelled weird. So she had it cleaned. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, I'm sorry, she, she, had, she washed it. And all of the water in the tub turned red when she dropped the sheet in. <gasps> now, she, now, right. So you and I are thinking scientific things. She's thinking of this more as a vision and some sort of proof that Zona had been murdered. From that time on, she began to pray. And every night for four weeks, she kept up her prayers, hoping that Zona would return and explain what had happened. Mm-hmm. Her vigil was rewarded. Okay. About four weeks later... Zona approached her mother in a dream. It said that the ghost appeared first as just a bright light and then gradually took form and filled the room with a chill. Mm. She visited Mrs. Hester, I'm sorry, Heaster, over the course of four different nights. Mm-hmm. She told her mother over the course of these nights that Eddie had abused her. He'd attacked her in a fit of rage over dinner. He believed mm. that she hadn't cooked any meat for dinner. Now... Jen, I know that we don't talk much about you cooking, but when you cook, <laughs> can you smell it? Y- yeah. Like if you cook, for example, if you're like roasting a chicken or making steaks, does it kind mm-hmm. of permeate the house? Yeah, it smells like meat. It smells yeah. delicious. It smells amazing and delicious. Oh, uh, God, so I'm this so guy's now. <laughs> full of shit. He would have been able to smell this meat yeah. if she had cooked meat. And she, the ghost is insisting that she did, <laughs> which, okay, you know. So she... Yeah, she, the ghost, is testifying or mm-hmm. telling her mother he crushed her. She, he crushed and broke her neck, which she proved by horrifying mm. her mother. The ghost turned its head until her entire head was facing backwards. Ah, which okay. So, the next day, the mother uh, goes to the local prosecutor, whose name is John Alfred Preston, which is the perfect and name. She's for- like. Listen, have I got a tale for you? I recognize that I sound like a crazy woman, but here's what you need to listen to. And so he didn't necessarily believe the story, but he did have enough doubt based on what she said she observed at the funeral Mm -hmm. to go to the judge and get an exhumation. Mm. So he went to Dr. Knapp to talk about the examination of the body following the death, and Dr. Knapp admitted that he wasn't able to make a complete examination of the body. And that was sufficient to register a new autopsy, which means that uh, a new jury, an inquest jury, had to be formed, and the exhumation was under order. Mm -hmm. The body was exhumed February 22nd, 1897, which is 
like this coming Thursday, 124 years ago or 121 years ago. Wow. Isn't that cool? Yeah. <laughs> so th- when this uh, when this autopsy is ordered, it was performed in the one room schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought that was an interesting detail. Yeah. How I mean, fucking it's like, horrible. Yeah. That, I mean, that schoolhouse is going to be haunted now. Right. So the husband starts flipping out. He's vigorously complaining about the turn of events, but he had to stand there as the next of kin and be present for the autopsy. Oh, he must have been freaking... Oh, man. Well, he just... Can you imagine? Yeah. And then this dumb motherfucker says he knows he's going to be arrested, but no one will be able to prove his guilt. Because apparently okay. he's unfamiliar with fucking autopsies. Okay. So the autopsy only lasted three hours. Uh, some autopsies can take 18 hours. It, it takes a while. But you, they didn't have to look very far because Zona's neck had indeed been broken. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the discovery was not only that the, the neck had been broken, but that the windpipe was mashed. Yeah, because, I mean, like a broken neck could happen on a f- bad fall down the stairs. But right. But nobody crushes not... a windpipe on a staircase. Yeah. yeah. You know? Right. So, mm-hmm. and, and and the degree to which it had been mashed, the neck had been dislocated between the first and second vertebrae. Do you Ugh. know how much strength it takes to pull a spinal column apart? I mean, probably approximately the same amount of strength it takes to blacksmith. I, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> All of Weird. the ligaments that connect the first and second vertebrae, and, and there are a lot. There, I mean, that your whole spine is just riddled with muscle structure. Mm. So all of those had been torn and ruptured, and the windpipe had been crushed. On the strength of this, they did go back to Eddie, and he was charged with murder. Now, here's another thing that reminds me of the trial you just talked about in your story. Mm-hmm. The prosecutor really played down the ghost story, and the ghost story was only brought up by the defense. So they're hoping to discredit again the mother, Mary Jane. So Preston is really sticking to the facts. He's talking Mm -hmm. about the crushed windpipe, Mr. Shoe's job, the fact that the body was moved, the way he was behaving at the funeral. And then the the defense lawyer, who I don't have a name for... Mm was the one cross-examining Mary Jane about seeing ghosts. Mm -hmm. And so he was hoping to discredit her, but the people of Richland's uh, West Virginia were like, yep, bitch sees ghosts, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, this is the age of spiritualism. So they're like, yeah, what about it? Exactly, exactly. This is, this is, (laughs) I mean, it's kind of a shitty defense strategy, really, because everybody in in the known world was like, yep, ghosts, Queen Elizabeth or Queen Victoria, totally ghosts. Woo. Yeah. But anyway, so Mrs. Heaster never changed her story. She mm-hmm. sat firm in the details. She insisted. She saw what she saw. And because of that, they were, Shu was found guilty of murder in July and sentenced to life in prison. Wow. They were not, the community was so angry. That wasn't good enough. So in true West Virginia fashion... Uh, they got together a lynch mob. Oh, shit. <laughs> but the local sheriff who had shoe underneath his custody broke up the mob, although four people who had organized it uh, were later charged for crimes. So he eventually is moved to the West Virginia State Penitentiary in Moundsville, where he lived for three more years before he died of some unknown epidemic, because there is no justice. Ugh. Uh, but there is a historical marker in the cemetery, remember that memorial cemetery where Zona mm. is buried, and it reads, 
Interred in nearby cemetery is Zona Heaster Shoe. Her mm-hmm. death in 1897 was presumed natural until her spirit appeared to her mother to describe how she was killed by her husband, Edward. Autopsy of the exhumed body verified the apparition's account. Edward, found guilty of murder, was sentenced to the state prison. The only known case in which testimony from a ghost helped to convict a murderer. That's awesome. Right? Fun. Yeah. Very fun. Uh, yeah, that's what's, uh, that's what's that's going what's on up. down in West Virginia. Wow. I know. All right, Jen, I've got a listener story for you. Light on me. Uh, this is actually from a good friend of mine. So this is from my friend Dana. Hi, Dana. Hi, Thanks Dana. for listening, babe. Dana has <laughs> Dana has put up with me through the worst times of my entire life. And she <laughs> is still on this train. So All right. Well, respect. Respect to yeah. Dana. All right. So uh, I've been meaning to send this. Sorry, this is Dana now. I've been meaning to send this send this, an email to you for a while now and here it finally is when i was younger probably five or six i used to sleep with my bedroom door open though i don't recall having a fear of the dark the hall white light was left on natch <laughs> right i was yeah our house i don't think i ever remember our house ever having a light off but mostly so really? like you didn't step on the black cats like we had black cats and yeah mm, there's nothing worse than stepping on a cat in the dark anyway sorry dana it was right in my doorway and there would be a shadow man who would lean against the door jam oh no Jesus nope, nope, Christ. Nope. Kind of like those wooden cowboy cutouts that people used to decorate their lawn oh, with. Oh, I, I know so exactly what those are, yes. <laughs> that like one leg up, very casual, smoking yeah. a cigarette. Yep. He never said anything and he never felt mm. threatening, even when I squeezed by him to go to my parents' room one time. Ooh, nope. No. I would not have left that room. No. What the fuck? Dana's always been brave, though. <laughs> soon after, soon after, I just started sleeping with my door shut because I couldn't see him. And then he couldn't be there, right? Yes, oh, that no. is exactly mm-hmm. how that works, yeah, actually. Okay. Sure. Also, a couple of years ago, when I first moved in with my fiancé, hi, Nick, I work mm-hmm. second shift, <laughs> where we lived in the country was wooded and had neighbors 50 yards away at the closest. Coming Ooh. back from work along the long driveway, I slammed on my brakes because it looked like the arm of a person from the side of the road had appeared in my driver's side headlight. Ooh. Ooh. Nope, fuck that noise. Last but not least, at my old job, I worked in a plastics factory. Facing away from the aisle meant for high lows was one machine. I don't know what a high low is. Is that like a machine that like, um, Lifts, like you can just, like a yeah, like a, like a, yeah, man. That could lifter. be. Dana, if you find out, will you tell us on the discussion group because you're in there? Yeah. Um, So facing away from the aisle meant for high lows was one machine with RB in parentheses. I'm sorry. I don't know factories uh, with a packing station on the right. And there was another machine on the left, U4. So packing on RB (laughs) station, you face the right and turn towards RB to put bottles in a box. Okay. Another thing to note is the mechanic sometimes needs to and is capable of getting on top of the machine. U4 has no such capability, but more than once I was packing on RB and had to do a double take to make sure I didn't see a man on top of it. So she's seeing shadows above. I hope you enjoy my stories, ladies, as much as I enjoy yours. Can't wait for the next episode. Dana, Dana, that's scary as hell. How have we never talked about this before? (laughs) Or have we? And I was drunk or high. Nah, oh. <laughs> well, that is really cool. Uh, you got to tell us what these um, these machines are, though, because I I don't I don't know. Um, yeah, <laughs> Dana, thank you so <laughs> much like, for writing oh, in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't wait for your wedding. It's going to be amazing. And I guess with that, we should tell everybody to uh, stay That'll... spooky, motherfuckers. 
Stay you spooky. Want to say no, I you mean, you, I, you just do it so well. I can't well, I feel like that's your line. Oh, well. There you go. Wow. All right. Wow. So. Wow. 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 Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> All right, oh, guys. Um, should oh, we, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to find us on social media, we are on Twitter at haunted underscore pod. And we are, this podcast is haunted on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And if you have a fun story about ghosts or whatnot that you would like to email to us, uh, that's this podcast is haunted at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Exactly. Uh, All right. Well, you guys are the best. Yeah. Um, Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, we will see you in two weeks. Or not see you, because you only listen to us. So you'll hear from us again in a fortnight. Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) fortnight. (sighs) All right, everybody. See you later. Bye. Bye. Once again, this podcast is haunted is brought to you by Studio. If you're anything like me, you spend a lot of time using headphones. Whether you're listening to background music while doing homework, podcasts while cooking and cleaning, or trying desperately to hear ghostly voices in EVP recordings, you need headphones that can keep up with you. That's where Studio comes in. Studio headphones give you high quality sound with a stylish Scandinavian design, not to mention a whole line of wireless headphones that are great for working out or for dance parties in your kitchen. Right now, Studio is offering our listeners 15% off any purchase by entering promo code HAUNTED at checkout. And as always, they'll ship anywhere in the world for free.